podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Slipped in by Ericsson towards Kane. Oh, he was pushed. Who was pushed and it's a penalty. Who has of late been immaculate from 12 yards. Harry Kane, who of late has always scored when Arsenal are Tottenham's visitors. Tottenham look to their icon and he delivers. Harry Kane, penalty at the Emirates in December, penalty at Wembley now. Nine in nine against Arsenal. 34 goals in London derbies for Tottenham. Bamiyang, challenge from Sanchez, penalty! As the clock ticks over, 89 minutes into the 90th. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang is denied! Hello there guys and welcome back to the last word on Spurs. Where we're going to be building up to the huge Champions League last 16 tie. Second leg against Borussia Dortmund in what we hope is going to be another glory, glory night for Tottenham Hotspur in Europe. If that isn't enough for you, we are also going to be looking back at what was a crazy North London derby against Arsenal at the weekend. Helping me dissect that game and look ahead to Dortmund. Delighted to have alongside me, Jason McGovern. Joining myself and Jason, we're also pleased to have back on the show one of our own in Chris Cowlin. And joining Chris, Jason and myself, we are delighted to be handing out a debut on the show to actor, presenter, host and writer Ricky J. Norwood. Enjoy the show, guys. I've got a feeling it's going to be great. Jace, firstly, let me start with you. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Just about got over the uh, the results on uh, at the weekend and ready for ready for the next week to start. Good, good. A lot to discuss, obviously, on this show. Arsenal, Dortmund, all to come. Chris, how have you been? Yeah, very good. I'm in Dortmund at the moment and looking forward to it. Good, good. Building up to tonight, Chris, we must add, we're recording on Monday, but for you guys out there, we're saying tonight because it is for you. It's going to be a massive, massive show coming your way. Hopefully, another glory, glory night. Now, as we said in our intro, we have got a debutant also joining us. We've got the brilliant Ricky Norwood making his first appearance on the show. Rick, how are you? I'm good, mate. I'm good to be on. I'm a happy guy, man. Come on, let's make this happen tonight. Make it happen. Big, big night ahead for you guys in Dortmund whilst we're recording here. Massive show. So let's get things underway by discussing that crazy North London derby from the weekend. Jace, Spurs draw for the first time in the Premier League this season. It could have certainly been much worse for them, if we're being pretty honest. But Tottenham, not at their best. They did avoid a hugely damaging loss thanks to Hugo Lloris' last-minute penalty save and Jan Vertonghen's crucial last-ditch interception. What did you make of it, Jace? Well, as you say, it was a was a difficult week, and we was all hoping for that 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 massive win on on Saturday to get us get us back up and running. But it was a disappointing a disappointing kind of game, wasn't it? They they perhaps had the better chances than we did. I'm not so sure I agreed with Poch saying that we were better than them in in every department. But uh, just when it looked like it was going to go really pear shaped, that was a a massive save from Hugo and the, the clearance from Yan, absolutely fantastic. And who knows that point particularly with Arsenal playing Man United this weekend. And there's, there's still plenty of twists and turns. So 
that that could be a massive, massive point at the end of the day. But I disagreed. <coughs> Some people say we celebrated like we've won the league. No, we celebrated Hugo making a penalty save and, and then we we got on with the rest of the day. And I certainly wasn't buzzing all afternoon. I was still genuinely disappointed that we'd only got the draw. So, you know, get, let's get things in perspective. But it was a hell of a lot better than it could have been. Yeah. I'm going to come around to Chris in a second. But, Ricky, let me bring you in because a model of a derby... Errors from everyone, terrible refereeing decisions, villains and heroes all over the pitch, and both sets of fans happy, angry, relieved and possibly furious all at the same time. A mad mix of emotions there on the back of that game. What did you make of it? Oh, mate. Um, yeah, it was. It was a mix of emotions. I, I, I was angry for so long in that game. Um, it, it, you know what it was? Uh, the, the goal uh, that they scored against us just, just took the wind out of our, wind out of our sails, um at that point in time, you know? And, and just kind of... Then we started doubting ourselves a little bit. And then when it got to the second half, I was kind of like, come on, Poch. Like, we've got to change something. They, they we, we kept using trips on the right-hand side and trying to get something going through trips. But the final ball just wasn't there. And I was just like, we need to do something here. But they did come out firing... They did come out and, you know, they, they went for it. And, and we've got a never-say-die attitude now at Spurs, which I, which I think needs to be recognised, you know. Um, you know, a couple of seasons ago, well, b- b- before Poch, we would have easily lost a game like that. We would have folded probably, you know, by half-time. So it, w- it was a massive mix of emotions. I'm, I'm, I'm happy that we got at least the draw out of it and we got at least a point out of it. But yeah, you know, th- the header from Harry, uh, I wish that would have gone in in the first half, you know. that We had the chances and what people are forgetting is that you know only two weeks ago when we played Dortmund you know Poch and the boys and everybody else was being lauded you know and we was at the top of our game and since we've had this little bit of a break we've had a little bit of a dip and now everybody suddenly doom and gloom you know Poch doesn't know what he's doing squad rotation you know our players ain't good enough no more you know um but look that halftime talk from Poch, I think you know, put a spring in their step and put put some fight in their soul, and, and we got we got the draw, um, and we could have got the win. Yeah, it's funny you said that, Rick, about the, the half time because Danny Rose has even said that the half time speech Maurizio Pochettino delivered was one of the best things he's ever witnessed in football. We said it made me want to fight for him, fight for my teammates, and fight for my club. I love seeing things like that. Chris, let me bring you in because, as I said to Ricky, a mess of a match. The undurables is over, but at least we do maintain that gap. And after everything that went on in those final minutes, you would maybe argue Spurs would take that. A touch fortunate, perhaps, but you do need a break now and then. We do, Chris, maintain now that four-point gap to Arsenal, but they've really been dragged into the top four battle this week. Spurs, would you say, Chris, we still look below our best and the fear remains that if we continue to run out of energy in that final stretch, we might even lose this top four spot. Are you concerned at all by the performance, Chris? Um, I'm a little bit concerned. The um, the performance is obviously Burnley and Chelsea away. Obviously, two defeats. Um Pochettino has never ever lost three league games on the trot, um, and I didn't think that he would, we would lose the uh, the North London derby, which we didn't. And um, two of the uh, two of the teams, Tottenham, Man United, Arsenal, and Chelsea, two of them will go in Champions League, and two will go in Europa League. And uh, I just, you know, really hope and pray that we are there. Um, we haven't got out of first gear, in my opinion, this season. You know, there is so much more to come. Um, from Tottenham um, this season and there's not much of the season left so I just hope that we save the best till last 
Um, people like Danny Rose in the North London derby, I think, you know, the passion just says it all. And, um, you know, for him to say about Pochettino's comments at half-time, you know, you just see people like Danny Rose, they, they get the, the North London derbies, the, the passion is there, and they, they really, really want to win. But I, funny enough, I, I put a tweet out straight after the game saying that I thought we did enough to win. And a lot of people disagreed with me. And funny enough, about half an hour later, a tweet came out from Tottenham saying Pochettino said that we should have won. And he, he said basically the same comments as me. And I thought that we'd done enough in the game to win. And I completely agree with uh, the comments from uh, from Rick and Jason there. And certainly Jason saying, um, you know, about celebrating the, the, the last minute Hugo save. We, we were all celebrating, obviously, because, you know, Hugo's made a, a great save and, and it's denied Arsenal three points. And, you know, Hugo, um, you know, is a world-class goalkeeper and, uh, you know, we're all celebrating that. It's, it's not the fact that we're celebrating a 1-1 draw because we know that we're a lot better than them. Agree. And I've got a, a lot of humble pie Hugo Lloris and that'll be to come in the show, guys. Don't worry, you'll get that from me. You most certainly will. Jace, we're going to go to some questions. We've got a load in this week, guys, so thank you once again. Jalad Ilias says, how should I feel after that result? Happy that we got the draw or disappointed because we didn't really turn up and play at the intensity of a North London derby? Overall, I mean, I, I was overall disappointed. You know, I, I, I'm unlike probably Chris and Poch. I looked at it and I think other than the, the double save, that, that astonishing double save and the penalty, I can't really remember us looking like we were going to score a goal. Whereas I thought there was the Hugo save from Iwobi. There was the early chance that Lacazette put wide. There was the chance that Lacazette should have buried just after half-time. They had a penalty missed. They scored a goal. So I'm looking at that thinking there were five times when I, I fancied them to score. And there was only twice when I fancied Tottenham to score. So in that respect, you know, it was a, it was disappointment. I expected us to be, to be better. But in fairness to that, you know, when the, the team sheet came out, and I know Poch at the moment, I'm, I'm loath to, to criticise the teams. I can understand at the moment, you know, with Winks missing, when you see that Wanyama's having to start a game who hasn't started since, what, a, a Premier League game? Was, is that first one Premier League game? November, first start since November, Jase. First start since November. Premier League game since Palace away, wasn't it? Mm. So, and you, you think, well, there's no way, in with, with great respect to Victor Wanyama, you know, him coming in two years ago is one thing, but when the poor son hasn't played a game for, for four months, you know full well that that's going to be a really hard game for, to be his first one back in. And and with Sissoko in there as well, you think we're not going to probably create too much from midfield. Ericsson's not in great form. So you're kind of going to have to rely on on a little bit of scraps. And, and I wasn't expecting a, a fluid performance, but I, you know, I looked at Arsenal and thought Mustafi at right back, We got that's an area we've got to uh, to exploit. I didn't feel we we made the best best use of that area, and in the end, I was, you know, as you say, when when the penalty comes that late, you think I am grateful for the point, but I, I was overall, I was you know, going into the game, I, it's them, I want to beat them, you know, as I've said it many times before, the, the Chelsea game in midweek was frustrating as it is. I don't think of Chelsea as any different to West Ham or Crystal Palace or or Reading or Walsall. They're just an irrelevant club to me, whereas. This game really, really matters to me, and I was desperate to win it. Yeah. Oh, I think we all were, Jason. Rick, Jamie Gross at Gross Jamie says, more of a comment. The team seems to have lost their way of playing together. Very poor off-the-ball movement to give options going forward. Have become very one-dimensional and predictable for opposing defenders. 
Is it fatigue or just not good enough, question mark? How do we pick up from here? Well, I don't think it's not good enough. I, I, I think you have to take um, the whole season and look at the team as a, as a whole with all the circumstances that have gone on. Now, we all know that we had a, a bit of a hangover from the World Cup. We know that all of the players, you know, the Belgians, uh, uh, the Belgians and the English and even, you know, Sonny, you know, uh, he played at World Cup as well as two Asian Cups, you know. Um, we, we are dealing with uh, times, a period different periods in the season, times of fatigue, times of dip, dip, dip in a form and, and little shifts uh, with injuries and formations. And, but, but the spirit has always been there. Now, only a couple of weeks ago when Harry was out and the team were like, they were fighting. Uh, Son was up front. You know, we just got Sonny back. They were fighting. Ericsson was carrying the team for those couple of weeks there. He, he was, you know, running out, outside of his skin for, for, for those games. So I think what what has happened is is that we've had a little bit of a break and I've been calling for us to have a little bit of a break for a long time. I, I, you know, we, we needed to get some players back. We needed some rest time for some players and we needed to kind of like galvanise and go again. But I this seems to keep happening. Every time we go out of the League Cup and the FA Cup uh, within the season and we have that period of time where we've got this little bit of a break to go into the next bit of the season, we tend to dip. And I mm, think true. that what yeah. has happened is a, a, a bit like a cold. Yeah, when, when you're going to work and you've got a cold or a flu coming on, you're like, right, uh, right. My breaks, my, I've got a break in two weeks. I'm just going to keep going, keep going, keep fighting it, keep fighting it. As soon as you get that break, the full on flu comes for you. Do you know what I mean? The full cold comes for you. You're totally, you know, beat up, mash up in your chair. You need soup and, you, you know, you need some Lucozade in your life. And maybe that's what's happened. Where they've had a little bit of a break, there's been a, 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 a massive kind of shutdown in their body. So they've had to re-energise again. We saw the kind of display against Burnley and, and we was trying to get in there and we was all happy that Kane was back. And maybe Ericsson took his foot off the break, uh, off the gas because Eric's, uh, because Kane was back. He's like, right, I don't have to run outside my skin right now. I, Harry's back. Let me pass it to him. And um, So maybe there's been that bit of a jump start. And I think... The game against the Gooners the other day was like the two halves is exactly what I'm trying to say. The first half, it was like trying to jumpstart a car. And then the second half, after Poch gave him a big kick up the backside, they were like, all right, and cool. And he started to get into gear. That's why, like, on the last comment that Jay said, like, we haven't got out of first gear. Like, there's a bit more coming from it. Yeah, there always is a bit more. We know what we can do, you know? And I just think we have to take everything into, into consideration when looking at Tottenham, you know? Mm, I agree with you. I think, Rick, like you said there, I think Pochettino's working with what he's got at the moment. And you add on the fact that we've had to play every single game away from home. He's not had a sign-in for two consecutive windows. There's a lot that he's had to deal with throughout the season. I think under the circumstances, he's doing the best he possibly can. Now, just to bring it back to the team selection, Ahead of the Arsenal game, we made three changes from Chelsea. Vertonghen passed a late fitness test as Maurizio Pochettino decided to go with three centre-backs. Rose returned at left-back for Spurs, while Wanyama started in the heart of the midfield with Winks failing to recover in time. And Trippier kept his place, but as a wing-back for the game. Chris, initial thoughts when you saw the team? Um, I was very, very pleased to see Jan Vertonghen back. I think Jan Vertonghen is a, a highly important player uh, for Tottenham and Tottenham's future. Um, Wanyama, obviously, as you said, um, hadn't started a game since November. That was uh, that was quite a worry. But 
we've had so many injuries this season and it has been a very, very odd season. But um, going back to the, the team selection, Danny Rose, I love to see Danny Rose in the team um, all of the time. If, if I had my own way, I'd have Danny Rose in the team every week because he, he's, he's passion. I just love his passion. Um, certainly in a North London derby, when, you, when you've got North London derbies, you want people like Danny Rose in the team. They, they get... They get the whole North London derby. I think their their passion for the North London derby is just like the fans. You know, people like Danny Rose, and uh, you know, really pleased to see him in the team. Um, but it was a it was a good team lineup. Um, you know, very strong team, and it should have been enough to win. But I just can't wait now for for Tottenham to announce that you know we're going to be moving home, and you know our next home game will be played at our our new stadium. And and I really hope that is the case. Okay, Chris, again, loads of questions in this week. Let me stick with you because we've got one from Georgie Jameson, maybe linking back to the team selection. It's at Jamie's Song 2003, who says, Why are we so slow and unmanageative in the opposition's box? Question mark. Our team is so predictable in our movements, and at the moment, I'd say it's our weakest trait, especially shown in the Arsenal game. Also, think this is. This is why we've been having so little amounts of shots on target. Example, Chelsea game. Is that fair, do you think, Chris? Well, to be honest, I, I went to both the uh, the Burnley and Chelsea game, and I suppose the the why I was a little bit more positive about the Arsenal match, um, not only because we avoided defeat, is because we actually had some shots on target. You know, the the Chelsea game was so poor, and when you're talking about one of our biggest rivals and one of the teams that we particularly all dislike, um, you know, it, it was extremely poor. Um, you know, from our standards, so. You know, even having a shot on target in North London derby was a bonus. Um, but <laughs> bringing br- br- bringing people like Harry Kane back, you know, um, for the Burnley game, um, in my opinion, I think we we rushed him back, and uh, I think he should have probably brought him back for for the Chelsea game. Um, and I feel people, I feel sorry for people like Son who uh, who have done extremely well when Harry Kane was injured for those five matches and uh, and didn't play. Um, and the whole di- dynamic of the team has now, now changed. I know a lot of the um, a lot of the fans uh, are getting on Christian Eriksen's back, saying there's very little creativity. I think Christian Eriksen's had a, a, a very poor couple of weeks, but we need to change that. You know, we're now in March, and we need to really, you know, push on and make sure that we secure this top four place because. You know, up to what a week or two ago, we were all very cocky as Spurs fans, thinking that you know we're, we're getting top four and you know top four is our, our position. But you know now, um, you know we're, we're only you know a few points. You know, Man United, Arsenal, and Chelsea—they're they're only a few points behind us. So we have to uh, grind these results out again. You do, and Chris, you know it as well as me. As a Spurs fan now. If you don't think you're finishing fifth, you're not Spurs at the moment. It is a, it is a worry to be honest with you. As much as we're sitting here, hopefully going to get top four, it still is a massive concern. Let's discuss the game in a bit more detail. Jace Sanchez came into Arsenal's half and won a header, put put it straight into the ground. Lacazette was able to free Ramsey, ran clean through on goal and rounded Larice to put the Gunners ahead. Another goal from a bad individual mistake, Jace, and they seem to be occurring as we discuss on the show on such a frequent basis. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, Davinson Sanchez, I thought, was head and shoulders our, our best player at Chelsea on the on the Wednesday night. He was the one that, that I would have exonerated from any blame at Chelsea. And yet that happened. And, and of course, it, 
you know, with the with the Alabama Yang penalty miss, that would have been another one that would have been pinned on Sanchez by some people. So it was a it was a dreadful mistake to make. But even then, you know, the worry was how, how wide open we we'd been caught. I mean, you know, there was there was nobody else battling to get back. So suddenly Ramsey was completely on his own, and I never thought I'd see Aaron Ramsey of all people running. You know, 50 yards completely unopposed. You'd expect maybe Alabama Yang or Lacazette to be doing that, but for Ramsey to be doing it, you know, we would just seem to be incredibly. He must have started his run, and, and nobody went with his initial run either. And it was just a dreadful goal to concede. And you know, perhaps, uh, like I say, a, a genuinely fit Wanyama may well have got back a little bit quicker, but Vic was kind of running through concrete to get to him. And that's not blaming Wanyama. As I say, I. I totally understand why Wanyama would have been slow and rusty going into that. But, you know, it was a really poor goal to concede, that's for sure. Now, we have got some news, Rick, coming around to you that Damison Sanchez is not going to face any retrospective action for kicking out at Lauren Cascielli during the North London derby. Apparently, the referee saw the incident, which then means that there will not be any I say, future action against him, which is good news for Tottenham. We need as many players as we can at the moment. I just want to get your you thoughts. Should, you shouldn't get you shouldn't get any ban for kicking out at any Arsenal player. Anyway. <laughs> You're <laughs> right, Jason. Whether the referee Jason. sees it or it doesn't. Rewarded. Even, rewarded. even if you do it in the tunnel before the game, it should be perfectly acceptable. To Brilliant. Fantastic. <laughs> there we go. There we go. That's what we love about this show. Definitely no bias whatsoever. Rick, now, are you concerned? I mean, I mentioned it to Jason. The amount of individual errors we're making as a team collectively, it's not just one player. You know, this season we've seen it from several players. How do we cut this out of our mm. game, Rick? What, what is it down to? Is it down to lack of concentration? What, what can you put it down to? I, I, like I say, I think it's the stop-start thing. I think, um, you know, sometimes you've got, we, we, we've had a back four or, or, or the back five and we've had that for a couple of games, but then we'll get an injury or somebody will be out. So we'll have to rotate and then go back to a back four. Or... So every time that you out of a back four, you might get three of those up that are up to speed and one that is trying to get up to speed. You know, even like Foyf, you know, he done great against Dortmund. And then I can't remember the game afterwards, but he looked a bit shaky again, you know. So, so I think... Yes, it's concentration, but I think I think the boys just need to 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 have some type of concrete, some type of set way. You know, uh, Wanyama coming in. You know, the 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 boys at the back, Toby or Yan, might have thought, all right. Um, you know, Victor's going to handle uh, running back at this point or at that point, and Victor's not. But you know, he's not up to speed yet. You know, so I think there's a lot of stop starting. Look, the one thing that Tottenham do have. And and that that has been shown year on year, is that we do have a fight about us. We do have a spirit about us. You know, I remember the first season that Dyer came in, and um, you know he got really upset in an interview because everybody kept saying that Spurs had a soft underbelly right, and were yeah. a soft side. And 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 I remember him like I remember him screw facing <laughs> the the interviewer at the time, just kind of going. Like, <laughs> And he done it deadpan as well. He's just like, look, I don't like that. We're, we're going to change that. Like, this is not us. We're up for the fight. You know, you saw it at the Battle of the Bridge. You saw that type of fight, and you've seen how we've kind of, uh, kind of streamlined that and funneled that into our performances. Where even when we've got two, three, four of our big players out, the squad is coming together. Look at what Koch has done with these boys coming in left, right, and centre. The young ones and stuff like that. He knows what he's doing. Give him some time on the pitch. I think this 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 Guna game was a great wake up, shake up for him, and and I think we're gonna start seeing 
the, the, the Spurs that we know and love towards the end of the season. I don't worry about the top four. I think it's, it's a good little bit of a pressure. My dad always says we do it the hard way. We make our own problems, but we do it the hard way. And it's just, we've just made a little bit more, uh, we put a little bit more pressure on our back. We're, we're going to go full steam ahead. Don't you worry. There you go. Let's hear from Rick first. And of course, we're building up to a big, big game tonight. Borussia Dortmund, we've got all that to come. Huge show in store. Been great so far. Chris, let's discuss the Harry Kane penalty incident. Now, you could argue we could have a whole show on this because... Boy, you know, controversy, whether it should have been a penalty, whether it shouldn't have been. We've heard different things. As far as I'm concerned, it should have stood as a penalty. We've got loads of reasons as to why as well. We've had facts come out from the actual lawmakers to say why it should have been. But Chris, on the incident, Mustafi bumped into Kane's back in the box from the free kick, which Soros awarded that. Now, just to put it out there, that the foul supersedes the offside. So if Kane received the ball... He's then offside. He's not offside as he was impeded first. It was a great piece of refereeing from the linesman to come to that decision. Chris, did you understand at the time that decision being made? Or could you care? Or was you celebrating about the penalty? <laughs> Do you even know about this at, decision? <laughs> I, I was at the other end. So I, I was in no position to see what was happening. Um, <laughs> um, but of course, when the referee points to the penalty spot and you're in the North London derby, you take it all day long, whether it's right do. or wrong. So, <laughs> um, But... The composure, um, you know, from Harry Kane again to put the penalty away, um, you know, absolutely superb. Um, but yeah, he, he, Harry Kane just does it in in North London derbies time and time again, and Arsenal must just be the sick of the sight of him. But you know, as far as the decisions go, um, I thought Anthony Taylor, and I'm not one to ever criticise referees, but um, on Saturday he had a very very poor game, and. Um, I don't think he pleased either side, either side's fans. Every, you know, Arsenal fans were, didn't like his decisions and neither did Spurs fans. So I think he had a poor game overall. Mm. You know what, we've got so much on the referee. And I just wonder, Chris, we're going to come on to Arsenal's penalty shortly. But I want to get your take on it. Do you think, in a way, he was trying to even it up there because he felt he may have got the decision wrong on Kane? Therefore, he gave Aubameyang's at the end. We're going to bring it on to it later. But just what are your, your thoughts on that one? Well, I just think um, refereeing this season in particular has just been so inconsistent. I really do. Um, I, I've never known refereeing so bad as, as this season. And the whole VAR thing, you know, either you've got to bring it in or you don't. You know, you can't just bring it in for certain matches. But I don't think it was uh, a, a case of evening it up. I think that it was just a lot of very bad decisions in the game. And as I said, I think that... You know, it didn't it didn't please us Spurs fans and it didn't please the Arsenal fans. And I'm I'm absolutely um astonished by a lot of Arsenal fans saying, certainly on social media, that that the referee did us a favour because I don't think that that any Spurs fan left the game thinking that Anthony Taylor done us any favours. No. No, but it's not like Arsenal fans to moan, is it, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Come on, let's let's be real about it. Let's be real. Yeah. Jace, Harry Kane's penalty against Arsenal was the first home league match penalty Spurs have had since leaving White Hart Lane actually against them. He's now scored more goals in North London derbies than any other player in the Premier League era. Nine. What did you make of the incident, Jace? Come on, are you going to tell me that you knew that rule? No. You know, and let's be fair, I don't think any of us no. really knew the rule. And if we're being honest, you know, he's almost heading it at the time anyway, isn't he? So... I think it's. Uh, I can imagine we were all kind of relieved when when he gave it, and 
when we, we when that explanation was given to us, we thought, oh, we can finally go back and have a go at the Arsenal fans. But it was one of those decisions that probably had it been at the other ends, we'd have been we'd have been fuming and demanding the offside should should count in over the top of the the foul. But what I liked about the the, the difference in the two penalties is. With Kane, you just feel like he's a type of striker. He just wants to take the penalty. I don't care how it goes in. I'm not going to try a, a, a fancy little chip. I'm not going to try a stuttered run up. I'm just going to run up and hit the penalty, and and that's it. And you know, I don't care. There's, there's no image with Kane, is there? Whereas with Aubameyang and and with say with your Pogba's, there's got to be a little bit of panache about the penalty, and they've got a they've got to make it look super cool. But they don't seem to realise. You look super cool taking a penalty by putting it in the back of the net, not by how you take it. And you can look as cool as you want running up to the ball, but if it don't go in, you look a prick. And, you know, it's as simple as that. And, you know, Aguero's, Aguero's oh, won in the, in the cup final when he, against Chelsea, when he stood there and laughed, it went in, so it becomes a decent penalty. It's, it's as simple as that. But with Kane, he just picks the ball up, ignores all everything that's going on around him, thinks right, gets in his own little zone, puts it down, turns round, bang, in it goes. And and the the the, the picture of Albamiang, he looked absolutely petrified. Terrified of Larice, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah, it's just you know, and as I say, Albamiang's that type and don't get me wrong, he took a really cool one against us, didn't he, at the Emirates, but that was seven minutes in. But with a you know, Keynes was perhaps a a little bit more pressured because that's to avoid us getting beat. That's right, yeah. So, you know, it's just the, the difference. And, and and I like a penalty taker to just go up and take the bloody thing. You know, you don't have to literally lash it, but just just take it with a degree of authority to you. And that's what Kane does. He does. Rick, Wayne Rooney and Robbie Fowler are the only players to score more Premier League goals against Arsenal than Kane, who's now got nine. He loves scoring against them. And I suppose, Rick, for me, when that penalty went in, it was a... a a sense of relief at the time. Yeah, definitely, definitely sense of a, a, a relief. But, you know, I, I think you, you could sense the crowd were mm. like, we were urging the ball into the net one yep. way or another. Like, the the I, I don't think uh, Wembley's been rocking like that in a while, you know. Um, uh, we, we wanted it. We deserved at least a goal out of that game. And like I say, man, with, with Harry coming back as well, the, like I say, the, the Burnley game, I agree with Jace. Maybe he should have been, maybe he was brought on a little bit too much. You know, maybe he shouldn't have started the game. But he wanted to get up to speed as soon as he could for this game, for the Guna game, you know, and, and for Dortmund coming up and stuff like that. So, yeah, man, it, it, it was, um, it, I, I screamed the house down. So, um, <laughs> I, I, was, I was thoroughly happy with that pen. Um, I love the way he stuck it away. Um, it, it's a bit like, when I used to, when growing up, I used to see Shearer take a penalty. He he never messed about Shearer. He he used to rip the net net off with these penalties. So um, yeah, I, I love the way that Harry takes a pen. Yeah, he's got nerves of steel and just ruthless, isn't he? From twelve yards, you've got no doubt. Ruthless. When Kane steps up for a penalty, he's going to put it away. Chris, I asked you about it before, and I'll bring it back into the picture now. Davidson Sanchez, the Arsenal penalty at the death now. <laughs> The referee seemed to deem that he shoved a Bamiang in the back near the byline. But to be fair, Chris, you know, on review, and I'm sure Spurs fans have watched this so many times, that the contact looked minimal, if in truth close to zero contact. I mean, what did you make of that incident? For a North London derby, if you are going to give that oh. decision um, as a penalty, it's absolutely ridiculous. And as I said earlier, I'm not one to slag referees off, but that was a... 
an extremely poor and one of the softest penalties I've ever seen. Um, but <laughs> karma, karma. Um, I tell you, when he when he stepped up and Hugo saved it, um, you know, we all we all cheered. And um, I was just disappointed actually in a way that. At Wembley Stadium, the amount of people, the amount of Spurs fans actually left the stadium as soon as that penalty was awarded. And they, they didn't even see the penalty save um, because they, they thought that, that, that we'd lost the game. Um, but a lot of people left, but Hugo made a, a great save. But as far as the penalty decision goes, I, I think that was an absolute joke. Mm. I agree with you. I, I, mean, I could not believe what I was watching. And Jace, you know, let's be honest about it. Vuitton gave away the ball initially and Sanchez was the wrong side of Aubameyang. He's tumbled to the deck. I mean, Lloris saved the penalty. Now, I've got to be honest with you. I've received a lot of stick for my criticism of Hugo Lloris after the Chelsea show. And what I do want to say before I bring you in, Jace, is that we do record these shows literally a day after. Therefore, I think emotions are still running high. Now, Spurs fans, we're all emotional. We all want to see the team win. I've loved this team. I've loved this manager. I've loved Hugo Lloris. And maybe, OK, I'll be honest, maybe my comments last week on Hugo did overstep the mark. But I don't forget what a wonderful keeper we do have. He is world class on his day. But we have to acknowledge at the same time that his distribution isn't the greatest. I think he has had problems this season with his decision making, poor lack of judgment. But the fact of the matter is, you know, he has become the hero for Tottenham in that game against Arsenal. And I give him all the praise in the world. And Jace, for you... Just how big could that save be in Spurs' this season? And what did you make of that overall incident at the time? Well, it was a, it was a strange one because it was a, a massive save. I mean, for me, I've said it before, we, for me, we play two games a season and we play 36 relative pre-season friendlies or mid-season friendlies. <laughs> so, for me, Hugo's just won the Man of the Season award. <laughs> and there are only two games that really matter in that way. But, but no, seriously, let's be fair, it was a poor penalty. It was a very, it was a very savable penalty wasn't it in fair once as long as he went the right way you, you, you kind of couldn't fail to save it but the important thing was he went the right way but perhaps the, the biggest part of the save was was Jan Vertonghen's oh, because of course. that 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 literally was a, a magnificent challenge and, and just about got it up and so between them it was, was just brilliant as Chris said the amount of people streaming out of Wembley it's for the mythical train, and it's it's two thirty on a Saturday afternoon. For Christ's sake, what what are people in a rush to get home for? You know, it's not a night game, but um, was was a massive point of the season. As I say, that that point could be could be huge come the end of it. And after a difficult game at Chelsea, where where he did get lots of uh, of criticism, it was it was important for him to come up with a big moment, and um, he certainly did on that. But as I say, Jan's Jan's part of it was was huge. I think the award of the penalty, do you know what, I looked back at it today and um, it, it's always easy when you get the, the five camera angles and the eight replays and slow-mos until we ever see live picture from, from the, you know, if the referee had his, had, you know, helmet cam or something and you actually saw <laughs> helmet the referee cam. Saw. you got to be careful what you say, Jace, you, you might... might get the wrong opinion on that helmet cam. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Especially with them DVDs. Mate. Yeah, be careful, Jace, where you're going recently. We haven't seen you in weeks and you can't have helmet cam but, now. But no, seriously, perhaps <laughs> if you saw them and you were, you just saw it at real speed from that one angle, you might understand some of it. And, and there looks to be a part, it looks like Sanchez might have put his leg across some. Now, from all the camera angles we see, we can see he definitely doesn't do that. Mm. And Aubameyang goes over because because he feels the arm on the back and he just throws himself onto the floor. But the referee doesn't get that angle that we all see. And that's that's the only thing I, I feel sorry for referees on. It's very easy to referee a game from, 
from six camera angles and, and 14 slow motions. But it was a poor, definitely it was a poor decision. It wasn't a foul and Aubameyang, like I say. But the important thing with a defender is you know that certain players will go down. I mean, we, we know that ourselves. Delhi will go down. Harry will go down. And so don't don't put your arms in their back and give them any chance to go down. Because let's be fair, where Sanchez was, Aubameyang wasn't going to get a shot away. The ball was going to run out of play. So there's no need to even put your hands on the player. So, you know, 95% I'll, I'll have a go at the referee for and say it's a bad decision. But you've still got to sometimes take a little bit of responsibility yourself. Don't give the referee a decision to even make. And, and that was perhaps the most disappointing thing was he, he allowed Aubameyang to go over. And that, that was a silly thing to do. Yeah. Ben Jones at Ben Jones 85 says, just looking forward to hearing how people want us to drop Hugo and put Gazaniga in. Ben, I don't want... <laughs> if it's about me here, I don't want to see Gazaniga um, installed over Lloris as number one. I think Lloris, you know, he's... A, for me, he's, he's a world-class keeper. But the issue I said this season, Chris, like we discussed on Thursday's show, is that he does have these issues where, you know, big games, he has his mistakes in him, we discuss his decision-making, we discuss his poor lack of judgment. But at the same time, Chris, you have to give him the praise that he stood up big. He waited and waited and did go the right way for the penalty. That's a big save for Lloris for his confidence and for Spurs for their season, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, Jason's right. It's, you know, big, big game, um, you know, Arsenal at home. And um, I think there were two defining moments in that game of Harry Kane's composure of putting the penalty away and uh, Hugo Lloris being so calm to actually get down there and go the right way and, and, and save the penalty in the last minute. You know, there's two big, big moments in the game. And, uh, you know, as Rick said earlier, you know, the, the, the team has got, you know, great character and uh, we've got great fight. And, People forget that at the start of the season, when we spent no money, you know, a lot of people thought that we would not finish in the top four. You know, the, I know we're not home and dry at the moment, but we're still sitting in third place. Um, you know, when we're in the quarter final, well, just about to go in the quarterfinals of the Champions Tonight, League, hopefully. Yeah. Yep. Um, you know, we're, we're in a great position at the moment, and 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 everything to play for. And as I said earlier as well, that you know we're not. You know, we've not got out of first gear yet. And I think there's a whole lot more to come. And if we get in our new stadium, you know, next month, then, uh, you know, it's a, a big, big boost for the club, the manager and the players. And most importantly, all of us fans, you know, something to really look forward to and, and push us on and, and hopefully, you know, finish the season on a high, which has been a very, very difficult and mixed season. Just on the, the, the Alabama Yang penalty, isn't that... Uh video great of watching all the, the fan bloods and all the idiots on TV, all, all, all filming themselves, ready to celebrate and then just being left open mouth and, you know, I think even Ty knocked his earphones off in, 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 in shame at it. It's just that whoever, whoever clicked all of those together, that's, that's a brilliant work of art that was. That was a brilliant work of art. Rick, let me bring you in. Just on the reason, you know, we touched upon him. I think we've given the praise, yeah. and rightly, it was a big, big save. And to be fair, he also made a great save in the first half as well um, from Awobi. Really good save. So that stop, you know, as we said, it could be season-defining. But Jan Vertonghen, Rick, as well. I mean, that goal-lying interception, I mean, that is something. You know, this guy, Vertonghen, for me, I never talked about Toby being, you know, one of the best defenders at the club. But I think Vertonghen, if you look at the course of his time at Spurs, for me, he's been the most consistent Head is always yeah. down. He's a leader on the field. And again, 
Big game, steps up, wonderful piece of defending. I mean, collectively as a team, we saw what it meant. Even Danny Rose was going absolutely crazy. Everyone went over to Larice as well. A great moment for the team defensively there. You can see what it all meant to them. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, super Yan has been supersonic. Um, my <laughs> goodness. Um, you know what? A, a, a quick little story. The first game that uh, Yan had, okay, it was the season we lost Ledley. Ledley retired. That's right. Okay? Yeah. And uh, so, so there was a lot of... Uh, we sold a lot that summer, but Ledley retired, and that was massive to me. I was like, he, he like... Not having Ledley in that back four, it, you know, that means th there's a lot of headless chickens in that back four, you know. Ledley sorted out so much. And I remember Yang coming in um, uh, the, the the summer afterwards and I, I watched the first game of him play and the way, how calm he was. He was calm, he was assured, he was intelligent. He broke the lines like he always does. He, he doesn't mind to run forward. He's, he's got his head up all the time. And, you know, he, he is a dynamite player. I, after I saw him play, obviously after losing Ledley, I was kind of like, oh, you know what? We're going to be all right with, with with this guy at the back. And, you know, Jan's had a bit of a, a roller coaster type of season. Um, not season, uh, but but career mm. with us. Yeah. You know, under AVB, I think it was. I remember I remember seeing that that tunnel shot of all, all the players kind of before the game, I think it was. They was all kind of dejected. The that shoulders a, were slumped. Yeah, I think that shirt, the Sherwood era. But I mean, at that time, gone. Was that Sherwood? I think we should, I think we'd all be dejected if we're under Sherwood, wouldn't we? I think we'd all be feeling like that. Right, but <laughs> but but I, you, you kind of saw him there, and and I, I, my, my heart kind of broke then. But like you see how he's kind of taken up the kind of the 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 baton of, of being that type of player. Um, I wanted to say with with, with Larice though, Rick. Um, I think a lot of people forget that he is our captain. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people forget that, that he's our captain. Yeah. A lot of people forget that Poch um, trusts him and believes in him. And, you know, them two have had many discussions. Poch turning up ended up keeping Larice with us when he was on top, when he was on top form. Yeah. You know, L Larice has stuck with us through ABB, through Tim Sherwood, through these, through these, not so great times, you know what I mean? And he sees what Poch is doing and how he's changed the club, the mentality and the feel and the way that we fight for every single game. So that's why he's our captain and that's why he's there. Now, after his World Cup, after his drink driving, court case, little thing that's going on, he's had personal things uh, as well going on in his life. After this season, that man, he's also a World Cup winner, that man is going to sit down and be super critical of himself. Yeah, because yeah. he's that world world class type of guy. He's got that that level of uh, of interest in his own skill and his own performance that is going to drive him, him and our, our and and Jimenez. Um, you know, as soon as the soon as preseason starts, they're going to have fourteen different things that they're going to cover because he wants to be the best that he can be and he wants to be the best in the Premier League as well. So I think all this doubt with Lloris, I think everybody needs to take a chill pill, just step back a little bit, breathe. Remember that he stuck with us when we weren't doing too well, and he he is he has been the last line of defence many a time for us when uh, uh, you know somebody's messed up somewhere, and you know uh, he showed it again on um, against the Gooners on the weekend, and I think he will continue to show it. Yeah, there might be a couple more errors in him the rest of the season, but he will continue to show that, and he will work on it and be even better for us next season. 
So sorry, I just wanted to get that out on the oh, list. There you go. The a speech a from Ricky Norwood on his debut. What a speech! <laughs> he is literally taking it over tonight, and we absolutely love it. There you go, Larice. Love it. I was gonna... Don't ever say this show doesn't Can love I... Larice after this. <laughs> I just had to get that out. No, there, listen, that's just... lo- listen. We've been told we've been criticising Larice. He's had a lot of love tonight. Jace, gone over to you. Yeah, can I add to it as well? I, I thought there was a, a slight difference. Chris, Chris said he, he sees Danny Rose and he gets the the derby, and, and I know what he means. But if you look at the two things, eh, Yan stays totally fully focused on the on the job in yep. hand. First of all, Yan almost almost tackles Albami, and before he's taken the penalty, he's, he's so far up with him. <laughs> I thought he was going to try and take it before he even. You know, I, thought I could see him make the sliding tackle before he even took it. But but the, the oh, fact dear. is, Yan's, Yan's just on there thinking. I need to get in there for that, that follow-up before even Hugo's made the save. If yeah. you look at Danny Rose, he's almost like a fan yeah, on oh, the pitch. Is. Like oh, As soon true. as Hugo saves it, we kind of take that <laughs> intake and go silent for a second and we, we kind of get frozen as fans, don't we? And if you look at yeah. Danny Rose, it, yeah. the moment yeah. Hugo saves it, He's, he's almost pretty much stationary with his, <laughs> with his head on his hands, with, it, with his hands on the back of his head. It's like, oh, he saved it, and, and he's totally lost focus on what his, his next job is then. It, you don't see him trying to get back to the six-yard box. It's, it's a strange one, and that's how you, like I say, I think that's how we'd have all reacted if we were a fan watching that penalty taken. But Jan is just totally focused. I need to get back on that line as quick as possible, and he never loses that, that sight. And... Uh, that was what was so impressive about it. Mm. Listen, we've got loads of more questions in, guys. So much to cover. We are running out of time. We're going to try and squeeze in as much as we can in this show because it has been fantastic. Chris, Pochettino was hamstrung by the absence of Harry Winks, which forced him to rely on a semi-fit Victor Wanyama, who was withdrawn after the hour mark. In the end, Poch had to use Danny Rose in central midfield. Therefore, Spurs finished that game with a midfield axis of Sissoko and Rose. You would have to feel, based on the way we ended that game, Chris, that investment in that central midfield area, that surely has to be the number one priority for Spurs this summer, doesn't it? Well, I'd love to see money spent in any area at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> any area, Chris, yeah, anywhere. And, and, and perhaps, Ricky, you can tell us more no, about transfer. Oh, Jason's going to come in. So Jason's waiting for this. He's, he's going to come in and start again. <laughs> Victor Wanyama, you know, Pochettino would never ever put a player in if he didn't think that he was up to the job. Um, you know, I think uh, Wanyama done well. You know, not not starting a game since November and then and then coming in and playing the North London derby. Um, but it, as I said earlier, it's, it's been a very mixed season. We've had. You know, so many injuries, a lot of injuries, you know, as far as I can remember back. Um, you know, it's, it's been a very, very odd season. And um, I think we just need to get, to get through this season now um, and, and, and try and invest some money in the summer. And I, and I know we say this every year that, you know, as Spurs fans, every we want to see money. Chris, every show we say. It is. It, it is. <laughs> It, it, it is frustrating because over the last couple of years, you know, all of us have felt that, you know, we're there. We're a couple of players away from challenging, you know, for the Premier League title. And, you know, just with a little bit of investment, you know, it would really help. And, you know, to keep a, a fantastic manager at the club and, you know, keep fantastic players like Deli Alley and Ericsson and Harry Kane and people like that, 
um, you know, we need to show intention of actually going that one step further. So we really, really do need investment. And I really do hope that it happens in the summer. We'd all say we need investment, but we'd, we'd, we clear Wanyama out, Dembele's gone, and let's say we clear we clear Winks out or we clear Sissoko out or, or whatever. And let's say we go and sign Kevin De Bruyne and we signed Ndombele and we signed N'Golo Kante. But then we play a game and Kante is, is out with tonsillitis and Kevin De Bruyne is out with a knee injury and, and Ndombele has broken his neck or whatever. So am I on the same podcast here? Spurs have signed... Am I on the same podcast? We've gone from Nkudu to De Bruyne. It's very easy to... It's easy to say, let's go out and spend and invest. But let's not forget the fact that we, we end up with Rose and Sissoko as a central midfielder because the three players we want or we might want in there are all out injured for, for one reason or another. And that's something that, like I say, you could sign those three players. But if all three are injured together, you will end up with a midfield that you don't like. It's, it's you know When we've had 50 injuries, people have to understand that you will end up with square pegs in round holes in a situation because there's so many players missing. But, Jace, let me come back to you on that point. Do you not think, if we're being brutally honest here, and we're not going to get into a whole transfer debate because we've got so much to cover, but if Spurs in the summer don't go and sign a midfielder, don't go and dress maybe the two full-backs, then you'd even argue that even with three players, the window looks already a failure. You know, that's the, the biggest concern, that it's blatantly no. obvious that we need to improve there and to not do it this summer... That, that would be utterly incompetent, wouldn't it? To not no, the proof there? no, Rick, I, I think you're missing it. I, I, I totally agree. We need to improve those areas. But like I say, uh, Pochettino hasn't gone into the game and picked Danny Rose in the centre. Of course he hasn't. No, of course. Circumstances, circumstances dictate it. I mean, Manchester City went and signed the four fullbacks, didn't they? Benjamin Mendy cropped his cruciate ligament after three games. It's hardly ever been seen since. So all I mean is you can go and spend all that money but you have to have a little bit of sympathy for Pochettino that at yeah. some stage of the season is missing three or four players all from one area of the team. And that's a massive, massive, it's Arsenal at home. We're not missing them for Brighton at home or Huddersfield away. We're missing them for the Arsenal game. So, you know, like I say, I, I felt a little bit, I'm sure he just sat there himself and looked at his staff and thought, blimey, I never envisaged having Danny Rose in the centre midfield for 15 minutes in the Arsenal game but as I say if you went and signed three or four players you still got to realise that the players get injured in the course of a season and it's it's really hard that they've all got and I mean Eric Dyer's illness as, and, you know we've had tonsillitis we've had appendicitis how <laughs> many more you know can't, why can't we go and sign a doctor for Eric Dyer that would be the first time <laughs> signing mate, wouldn't it only you could do that. Only you could do that, Jace. Out of everyone you'd want to sign, you don't want to sign any players. You just want to sign medical staff, Jace. That'll be you. You know what I'm, I'm saying. You know, you, like I say, you could sign a Kente and Dombele and De Bruyne, but at some stage those three were all injured. You'd end up playing players you didn't want to play in there. Jason, I completely agree with you. And, and on the whole signing situation, I was just mentioning that, saying that you know to, to go that little bit closer to actually challenge for the Premier League title, but. I, I, I don't think that Pochettino um, is given enough credit and certainly, you know, by neutral fans and Spurs fans, I don't think he's given enough credit for the amount of work that he puts in at Tottenham and yeah. the amount of injuries and the amount of problems, you know, lots of problems um, on and off the pitch. Um, and to, to have Tottenham sitting in third place at the moment in the Premier League, I think is just absolutely remarkable. And what other manager in the Premier League or even in Europe 
would have achieved what he's achieved, sitting in third place in the Premier League, having not spent a penny and uh, having the amount of problems we've had. Poch also kind of, he doesn't believe in that name thing either, does he? Do you know what I mean? He said, he said that many a time. Like, I don't believe in a big superstar name. If you yeah. come, if you work, if you're, if you're ready and available, that's why most of the young ones have been able to come through. So he's yeah. not one to complain, you know. But, but just quickly, because Rick, I know you love uh, transfers, right? But, but... <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. Listen, Ricks, I, 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 I'm going to stick up for you, mate. Yeah, because it's worse than Jim White for transfer. (laughs) During transfer period, I'm always checking your Twitter just to check on what rumours are what, and just know we all know what rumours are. Of course, but I do think I I do think we need to um, put some money into that midfield. I would love Endombelli in there. I would love like a replacement maybe for Wenyama because it seems like he's he's not to like every game like he seems a bit off right now maybe the knees have gone I'm not sure um, and I would love a new left back and a new right back uh, I would um, so we're not expecting you know. too much then Rick not too much listen that- we haven't spent we haven't spent we've saved some money like like Jay said we, 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 we've got some money in for Dem, uh, for Dembele at January you know come on let's let's do it let's let's go for it this summer spend mm. some money help the team help Poch and help those uh, the, the the young ones come through as well. I really feel like this was a charity appeal there, Rick. Help the team. I'll try, mate. I'll he, try. And here's the number below to, to, to contribute and donate. We had it all there. <laughs> I've got to say, chat. 0800. Oh, my God. Listen, guys, we've still got so much to cover. Running out of time here. Christian Eriksen, right. So, at complaints, we've had so many questions in on Christian Eriksen. Just to acknowledge some of the people that have tweeted into us. So, we've got... Nick Gray, Alexander Hackett, Darren DeVeek, 40 Winks, yourselves come in. Loads of people coming about Christian Eriksen. Come on, let's have a quick debate on Eriksen because, again, I think it's fair to say that it was such a disappointing performance from Eriksen. He seems to have suffered, Rick, we'll stick with you, a prolonged period of poor form now. And he's been stuck in this poor period for a while. Now, what I do want to say about Eriksen, just to kind of even up that statement, is that He's made 250 competitive appearances since August 2014, meaning that he's averaged a game every six and a half days for the last four and a half years. Can you put this period down, do you think, Rick, to tiredness? Or is it more than that? Should he be performing better than the level he is? Um, I, I, you could say tiredness. I, I just think maybe maybe um, a little bit of mental fatigue as well. But you you have to look at these the, the last three games, OK? Burnley, Chelsea... And the Gunas, all right, Ericsson hasn't been up to the Ericsson that we know and love. But if you look at the three previous games before this little 10-day gap that we've had, you know, um, he, like I say, he was carrying us. He, he was, he was, you know, not only was he, did he score, but he was assisting uh, Son left, right and centre. Like, there was balls over the top. He was being considered for Barcelona and Real Madrid o- only a couple of weeks ago, Ricks. So... Maybe he's had a little bit of a dip, but Poch will always tell you the boys are not machines. You know, it's it's not it's not FIFA. They're not machines. They can't just go out there and be a hundred percent all the time. Um, he's had a few niggles during the season as well, so th- he's probably been playing through not right now, but he's probably played through a bit of pain here and there. So, so I think again, he stayed with us through some hard times. He's been with us through some low times. Let's just back him a little bit. Let's sing his name a little bit. Let's shout for him a little bit because you know he'll be running out of his skin come, well, tonight, you know, against Dortmund. You know that, that he's going to be the one that, that is going to put that ball in or be that creative spark for us because he is that guy. 
So, like, I think everyone, again, I, I think us as a club, like as a fan base, just, just, just take a chill pill a little bit. I know that we all know that Tottenham can push and we can be that big, great team if everybody's firing in all cylinders. But we're not there yet. You know, we, we haven't had a home for two years. You know, like, you know, we, we didn't spend no money on no reinforcement. Poch has had a new midfield every single season. You know what I mean? And this season, it's been a bit choppy-changey. Dembele was there, then January is gone. It's chop and change. Like, like uh, Chris said, it, it's been a, more about getting through and surviving this season so that we can go full steam ahead next season. I think. Jace, we haven't had a chance really to speak to you about Christian Eriksen's form because obviously you haven't been on the radio shows with us. But, Jace, I want to put this to you and give us your thoughts because there is a perception amongst some Spurs fans out there that they've widely accepted Adavira is going to leave the club and he seems to still be playing out of his skin at the highest level. Whereas Eriksen, there's been this talk of rumours to Real Madrid, Barcelona and some are arguing that his head is already there, whereas Alderweireld is still committed, playing 100%. Is that fair, Jason, in your opinion, for fans to think like that? I think it's natural for fans to think like that. I would say that I think Ericsson's in a bad period of form. Perhaps he's he's not in the most confident mood, and, and, it, and maybe that's how it transpires. I, mean, I must admit, I thought he looked totally, even myself, I thought he looked totally disinterested at, at Chelsea. I thought that was a, he was so, so poor at Chelsea. It was it was ridiculous. I'd, I'd never seen Ericsson that poor. His touch was all over the place. And as I say, several times, I mean, even that Burnley game, he kind of half half pulled out of the challenge that they, they scored the winner from, didn't it? And when you see somebody uncommitted, I, can, I, I accept players go through peaks and troughs of form. And as I say, with that goes confidence. I think part of that is, you know, without Deli Alli making runs for him, teams have sat deeper, so it's harder to find that that pass and even if he looks up if Ali's not making that run who is going to make that run so you know you kind of end up having to hold the ball a bit longer and and it's a it's a, a whole knock-on but um I think you know as I said it's bad form bad confidence it's not at the right time but uh I, no I, I don't think Ericsson's consciously walking onto a pitch thinking I don't want to get injured today and I'm really not fussed about what happens today because I'm joining Barcelona or Real Madrid in the summer. I, I honestly don't think players think that way. I honestly think every single player, when they cross the white line, is focused on on the performance. And and yep. they're all professional enough, even Nadi Bayor and people like that in his day. Once they cross over it, they want to win the game. They want to play well. And and I've always believed that. I mean, even even players that, you know, Kieran Trippier, I mean, we've, we've given him all sorts of, of stick this year. But I don't think for one minute Kieran Trippier goes over the the white line and thinks, oh, I want to make a cock up and I want to be bad today. I mean, they're trying and sometimes you can overtry, and that's mm. what makes it even worse for you. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's natural for fans, I think, to see it in the way that, that some of them have done. Chris, are you backing Christian Eriksen to rediscover his form? Absolutely. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a massive fan of Christian Eriksen and, uh, yeah, it's been a, a poor week for him, but we're going to realise that, you know, he's played with us for a, for a number of years now and he's been exceptional talent and he's been one of our best midfielders of modern time. So, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of him and um, I think he will deliver and uh, I think it will start tonight uh, against Dortmund and, you know, he's he's a he's the heartbeat of our team. And I, I, I can't even believe that some Spurs fans are even debating about, you know, that they they want rid of him out of the club. I I, I genuinely can't believe that because mm. you know he's a he's a he's a truly talented player for us. 
Mm. I think as well, you know, you, you, can, you can get caught up in uh, in where they might be. I think as poor as Ericsson was at, at Burnley and Chelsea, if that team sheet had come out Saturday and Ericsson's name wasn't on it, there would have been an absolute outcry oh, exactly. before exactly. the game. Why? You know, we saw it with Arsenal, didn't we? Why are they leaving Albemiang out of the game? You know, yeah. and it would have been the same for us with, with Ericsson. We were delighted to see Albemiang not start the game, let's be honest. Delighted with it. And I think Arsenal would have been loved not seeing Ericsson on there. And Pochettino would have got an enormous amount of blast for not picking him. And if that game had finished 1-1 and Ericsson hadn't started it, we'd all be saying, why the hell didn't he start, even though he isn't in form? So, you know, it's, it's very easy to jump to conclusions and things. But he, he you know, I, I, I wanted him to play Saturday. And, and it might just be that he has to play through this period of form, as Chris says. It wouldn't surprise me if he gets to the big assist at Dortmund and, and then we're off and running again. Rick, going to come round to you because we have to say a couple of words on Muta Sissoko during that Arsenal game. Yeah. Because he did battle tirelessly in the midfield, provided some real attacking thrusts with runs down the right-hand side. He very even nearly scored, forcing a fine save from Leno in the first half with that shot. I mean, he works so hard for this team, doesn't he, Rick? And he covers every bad grass. Yes, he, yes, yes, he does. You know what? Um, like most uh, Tottenham fans, I, I, I've been totally surprised and, and happily surprised by him. Um, from I think from, from about November-ish, he is just, I don't know what he's been eating or drinking or, or what, <laughs> what book he read or what film inspired him. <laughs> Maybe it was Creed 2 or something. Maybe it was the new Rocky. You know, it's like, so, so, inspired him where he has just kind of taken taken up the reins of, of that midfield. And, and you see him in the centre kind of breaking past people and kind of break, breaking the play and, and kind of just, just you know, shift, shifting pace and, uh, you know he's he's been great, and I, I've kind of been, like I say, pleasantly surprised by him. And, and long may it continue. It's it's been a long time coming, um, and it's only kind of been halfish of the season that he's been fantastic. So I, I, I'm I'm really happy that he's doing great, and he's really, really happy that he's doing well for the team. But I, I I want it to continue to the end of the season, and and then I'll have my final kind of thought on Sissoko. Amen. Now, we've got to quickly just reflect back on this sending-off incident with Torreira. Just a, a yes or no round the panel before we look ahead to Dortmund. Chris, a sending-off for you on Danny Rose, yes or no? Yeah. <laughs> Why is that so funny? Why is that so funny? Why is it so funny? Uh, do, you, do you expect any other answer here, Rick? Well, I don't know. <laughs> Gus Poyet. Yeah, come out. on, Rick. Ah, uh, to be fair. Yeah, you're right. You're right, OK. Jace, you're going to surprise me your answer? <laughs> I think if it was any other club, I, I would have found it as a sending off. With them, <laughs> I find it a 10-game ban. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 10-game ban. All right, OK. Listen, we're going to look ahead to Dortmund. We've done the Arsenal game to death. Huge game tonight in the Champions League. Last 16, second leg game. Now, if you're not Spurs, you don't think you're going to lose this game 4-0. So... Let's just put that out the straight. Massive, massive game tonight. <laughs> I hope we're not going to go and throw this away. Chris, are we? You're there. Tell us. Oh come on! If we if we uh, if we threw this away, come on! I think we will resign as being Spurs fans. But we're 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 in an absolutely fantastic position, and uh, I visited uh, Signal doing a park earlier. The pitch is looking fantastic, and um, you know when when you see how big Dortmund are out here, you know they've got the biggest uh, stadium in Germany, and um, you know to come here in the second leg with a three 0 lead, it is. 
you know, phenomenal. And uh, it, it, we're in such a great position at the moment. And uh, I don't think we're throw it away. I, I actually back us to win tomorrow. Uh, or sorry, sorry, tonight. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you would argue, Rick, and say progress past Borussia Dortmund would help to restore some confidence and build momentum again. Is that how you see this game tonight? Yeah, absolutely. I think they've got to go in with that nil-nil uh, mentality. And I think, you know, the first 15, 20 minutes... Uh, Dortmund are going to come at us. You know, we all know that they're a fast, talented side and they're going to try and get that early goal. But if we weather that storm for the first 15, 20, I see us not only seeing it out, but like maybe scoring, scoring one or two away from home as well. I see it being a, a glory night for Tottenham tomorrow. There you go. Or tonight, depending on when you listen. You might be listening from 5 to 12, <laughs> so it could be tomorrow. But we're saying it's tonight because it is tonight. Jace, Dortmund lost 2-1 at the weekend to Augsburg. <laughs> Former son and a man, G with both goals. Just a second league defeat of the season for Dortmund. Some are actually saying that their season's in disarray. What do you make of it, Jace? Well, they, I thought first half they looked okay at Wembley. I thought they looked a decent side. But um, I think, you know, the key for us is just staying calm and composed. There'll come a stage where Dortmund's being a home side. They're a decent side, whether they're their season's imploding or not. There'll be a period in the game where they're definitely on top. They'll win a few corners and have good possession and have a couple of clear-cut chances or something. It's important that you stay calm and composed in that. If they do score, you still got to say, look, we're still two goals clear of them. And, you know, let's just focus on getting that away goal. And once we get that, then I think the tie becomes becomes a much more easy to control for us. And, and like Chris says... I, I certainly don't sit here and think we're going to... I can't see any other way than, than Tottenham going through in that tie, even if Dortmund do score first. But, you know, like I say, it's just important to stay focused and, and play in the moment and, and not get carried away with anything. I agree with you on that. Now, Chris, some interesting comments have come out before the game. Harry Kane says Spurs must find a way to win high-pressure matches if they want to win the top prizes, having fallen short in the last three games. Is that a warning? To the rest of the squad there from, from Kane, Chris, how did you read that from your perspective, Kane coming out on the eve of this game and saying that? Well, I think it's, uh, you know, his way of saying that every player needs to step up to the mark and, and, and get the results. And, you know, we all know as Spurs fans, whenever we've gone close or, uh, you know, certainly semi-finals or whenever we've had a position to go top of the Premier League or go into second place and, you know, take 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 the chance... Um, you know, we haven't taken it. And it's been highly, highly frustrating, certainly in the in the past couple of seasons. And, you know, I'm going to go back now and, you know, probably music to your ears. And that's where I think that we need the signings to push us on. Um, you know, <laughs> one or two additions to the squad. But, you know, certainly to a, to a lot of players, you know, a lot of players do, um, you know, play up to the mark. And, you know, I, I think you just need a, a little bit more from, from certain other players in, in certain games. Now, some good news we've had ahead of the game that Pochettino's confirmed that Harry Winks and Eric Dyer are both in the squad. Now, you could argue, Jace, that I think we really missed Harry Winks against Arsenal. I really do. I think, obviously, maybe you'd argue Victor Wanyama wasn't at his 100%, which is maybe why he didn't have the impact he wanted on the game. But Winks, I think sometimes he is criminally underrated. And Eric Dyer having him part of the squad is important. He's had a real stop-start season, hasn't really got going for him. What have you made, Jace, of that news? Pochettino has confirmed Winks and Dyer. Both need to be assessed, but could be involved. 
Yeah, and I'd, I'd be pleased to see Winks. I think he was a big miss on, on Saturday, just that ability to drop in and, and take the ball off the back four and, and feel confident when it goes into him that, that he'll, he'll turn and, and get, get the team moving again. And, you know, people keep wanting him to be a number 10 and, oh, he doesn't do enough of this. But, you know, Moussa Dembele didn't create too many goal-scoring chances, did he? But I don't remember anyone giving him criticism for it. So, you know, I think he's a, a massive player for tomorrow when when you do need people to just be calm and composed and Eric Dyer you know again is another one that's coming for so much criticism this year but I'll be absolutely overjoyed to see him back I mean you know we need we need bodies back and we need the options in midfield and and so any anyone coming back to fitness now has got to be a boost for us yeah, and Rick, we've seen Kieran Trippier has been left at home after playing back-to-back games, which some fans are celebrating about. Uh, but <laughs> Deli Ali, though, he could be fit for Southampton at the weekend. I think we've really missed Deli Ali, and I think also for Christian Eriksen, that partnership with Ali, we can't underrate just how crucial that is. And that may be also a, and a reason why we haven't seen the best of Eriksen, because Ali hasn't been there. Same way it's affected the team. Ali's a big game player, would love to have played against Dortmund this evening, wouldn't he? Yeah, oh, of course he would have loved it. But I think that's where we've got to be, and, and that's where Poch is smart, but I think that's where we've got to be careful with Delhi. I think this season he's rushed back after the, the couple of knocks that he's got because of big gains and, and because he's, you know, he's a big-time player for us. And um, it's, it's almost setting back, you know. So now we don't want him to be set back anymore. We want him firing for the rest of the season. Uh, for not only, like, the Dortmund game, we, we, we can say, fingers crossed, that we're going to go through, no worries, to the next round. And that's where we want Deli Ali fit and firing, is in that next round, you know, in this last part of the season for us. And, um, you know, you, uh, if there's not too many times that we've had Harry, Son, Ericsson uh, and Deli playing. But when we have, yeah. we have, we have looked like a totally different side, you know. Um, so... So, yeah, you know, like like Jace J- J- was saying, the more bodies and the more boys we got back, you know, the more energy and, and the more fight we've got going forward into this last part of the season. And hopefully we've got something to shout about. Agree. Rick, can we get a prediction from you? Uh, tomorrow, I'm saying 2-0. 2-0. Or tonight. Could be tonight. Could be tonight. Could be tonight. It's tonight. No problem at all. God, this is getting confusing. It's tomorrow or tonight. We don't know where we are. Same with that Spurs defence at times. But 2-0 from Rick. Chris, come on. What are you giving us? Big night. You're there. Come on. What are you going to say? I'm going to go 1-0. And I think Sonny will score. He absolutely loves scoring against Dortmund. And I think he will do it again. Lovely. Chris, how far are you away from the stadium out of interest? Where are you staying? About a Oh, really? Okay. Interesting. Yeah, yeah very close. Yeah, and they've uh, been been friendly to you so far, Chris the tourist. I said the tourist, you are one of the tourists there, but friendly so far. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's it's great here. I, it's it's the third time I've been here, and um, yeah, the the locals are, are, are really nice, really friendly. So uh, yeah, it's a nice place to be. Yeah, I mean Dortmund's becoming almost part of the fixtures every season at this moment in time. It's crazy. We always guarantee to play them some point every season. Jace, come on in, big game, Champions League, last sixteen, second leg tie. What are you giving us? I might go for a two-two draw. Two-two draw. Okay. Yeah, I think you know they've they've got to really go for it, which I think gives us chances to to get goals on the break. But I do see, I do think Dortmund will score. So yeah, I'll go for a two-two. Okay, a two-two. And Jace, just to clear up the rumours, there's been a lot of speculation as to why you're not a love sport. Anything you want to say to those rumours to put them to bed? No, I'm just talking to another station, mate. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. My head's been turned and I'm looking for a summer transfer. Oh, not you as well. God, <laughs> no, I'm losing them all. Uh, just, just on a, a 
just on a batch of five or six weeks of night courses, mate. So that, okay. that's all. And it just sadly, it's up past six till nine o'clock on a Thursday night. So yeah, that's and all. Just about rumours to bed. Nothing into sex toys or any DVD makings. No, nothing on <laughs> DVDs. Fantastic. Just clearing that up. We- I might, I might actually be making a video for your wedding. Oh, oh, no. oh, oh dear, oh dear. Maybe we'll, embarrass you on your wedding day. We'll leave that one to behind the scenes, hopefully. Deleted scenes, that won't come out, fingers crossed. Jason, thank <laughs> you as always. Chris, been great to have you on no, the show. No problem, mate. Thank you so much. Chris, it's been a pleasure having you on. Enjoy Dortmund. You. We'll have you on back on Love Sports soon. Thank you very much. No problem at all. And Rick, thank you for a wonderful debut. We've loved it. I hope you have too. And you've got to come back, Rick, haven't you now? You've got to come back. Um, mate, I'm back whenever you need me, mate. It's oh. been fantastic. I, I, I've enjoyed it loads. And it's been nice to be on with Chris as well. I love his YouTube videos about the stadium and stuff like that. There you go. So it's been a family night. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you very much, boys. Thank it's you. Great. Listen, enjoy the show. Big, big night in the Champions League for Tottenham Hotspur. Champions League, last 16, second leg tie against Dortmund. Let's have it. And as always, come on, you Spurs! Come on, you Spurs! Network.